unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, our text is going to come from the book of Exodus. And um, I read a portion of scripture as I was studying the story of Israel in their time of bondage under Pharaoh, Egypt as a nation. And um, I read a portion in Exodus, the eighth chapter, the 28th verse, that I want to begin my conversation from. If you're there, it says, So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far. Only you shall not go very far. That portion of scripture comes with a lot of emotions. When I think about what Satan through Pharaoh meant. If I need to take us back a bit to how we get here, and I'll give us a little explanation from the beginning, because some of us perhaps have just started reading the Bible, or some of us read it, but you need to refresh your mind on the core or the matter from where this story begins from. We know very well that God, through a man called Joseph, wanted to do something with the children of Israel. And if we recall the story of Joseph, how he sold into slavery, of course betrayed by his brothers, and then he's taken to prison. And then in there, he becomes a, a point of reference as a dream interpreter. And the time when Pharaoh has a dream, the scripture tells us that uh, Joseph was called to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. And from then on, God elevated that man for the sake of Israel. And we have seen in scripture when the brothers later realized that this was the man they had sold into slavery. He tells them, do not charge this on yourselves. Do not judge yourselves harshly. For God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. In other words, Regardless of whatever you did to me, God had set me ahead of you to preserve you a uh, posterity. And so from then on, when Joseph brings his family to Egypt, the Jews coexist with the Egyptians. They come with something. It's called the blessing. Somebody said the blessing. And as Time evolves, we can jump to Exodus chapter 1 verses 7. A small narrative there helps us reconcile where we're coming from. And it says, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. That's the power of the blessing. Hallelujah. One family entered Egypt, and the Bible tells us, became fruitful, increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. And now the Bible says there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. I've preached something on that line. And I was trying to explain the fact that sometimes a generation or generations can be preserved by one man's act with God, by one man's relationship with God, 
And in this instance, for many, many years, the Jews enjoyed increase, multiplication, abundance, and grace because of what was operating on a man called Joseph. The grace operating on one man extended to influence the destinies of many men. It says that every king that came after that Pharaoh knew that there's something connected to the Jew through the man called Joseph, and it does so. It is possible for God to preserve many generations because of what you're doing. And some of you, that's why I always tell you, you don't just come to church to listen to a wonderful sermon because you lost a job or you have an issue with your family. Or perhaps maybe that's the short-sighted interpretation of the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is this, that some of the things you're listening to right now in this season or over the years are constructing such a destiny for your children and children's children to come. And I've realized that there's also wisdom in how fight can be extended from generation to generation. I studied that when I studied the testimony of David. The Bible tells us that he gave David and his children's children and the generations to come the kingdom. He used the word forever. The Bible says, he uses the word forever with a covenant of what? Salt. With a covenant of salt. With a covenant of salt. You might not be able to trace back many people who are connected to David, but the Bible has said that he built a covenant, he defined a certain covenant with the children of David and their children's children's children for the generations to come till the world ends. There's something unique about everybody or everything that came out of David. So in there, I learned that you can actually have an influence that would extend to many generations. But also by David, we have learned that a man can have influence that extends forever. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. It was a covenant of salt. Hallelujah. But I have learned by God that it is actually possible to leave a mark that will be spoken of to the end of the ages. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Back to what I was saying. So a king arose that knew not Joseph. And then he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than us. They are more than mightier than us. A family entered Egypt and became mightier and more than the Egyptians. That's the power of blessing. Somebody shout hallelujah. And he continues to say, come on, let us deal wisely with them. Lest they multiply and it shall come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying that let's deal with them wisely. They are mightier, but they're not wiser. They are richer, but they're not wiser. They're more in number, and they're not wiser. And therein is the wisdom of God, that it doesn't matter how rich you are, a wiser man will always have dominion over you. It doesn't matter how strong you are, a wiser man will always have power over you. It doesn't matter how much influence and affluence you build in this life. A wiser man can take you under bondage any day. Never forget that. That is why one portion of scripture says that wisdom is beautiful with an inheritance. It comes with an inheritance. Somebody shout hallelujah. It should come with an inheritance. It is important to understand the power of wisdom because there are many men with so much grace, but they don't carry the wisdom. They don't carry the wisdom to have dominion. The spirit of dominion is foundationally a spirit of wisdom. So he says, these men are mightier than us. They are stronger than us. They are richer than us. 
They are greater than us and they are multiplying every day. One day if they join forces with any nation, we're gone. So let us deal wisely with them. What do we do? Let's take them to bondage. Now, whatever happens after that bondage is realized or understood can only make sense. This that I'm going to teach can only make sense to someone who has tested the blessing of God before. This that I'm going to share might not easily apply to somebody who has begun from scratch and they have not proved God. Are you following what I'm saying? There are people who have not proved God. And so it might be hard for me to explain to you what kind or manner of bondage this would come. I'm talking about the bondage that came when you began to increase. I'm talking about the test that came when you began to multiply. I'm talking about the trial or temptations that came when your star started shining brighter. I'm talking about the troubles that came when you got that job after 20, 15 years, 30 years of not working. I'm talking about the frustrations that came after you attained the glory of marriage. I'm talking about somebody who has tested God's grace, who has connected to the blessing of God. And then while you are in there, trouble comes. Trouble comes. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the children of Israel had tested the blessing of God fully, but they had not connected to the wisdom of God as they ought. In fact, in one sermon, I proved that God had given Israel the opportunity to take over Egypt as an extension. You cannot believe me until you listen to that sermon. I once preached about that. What I want to talk about today is one day you break through some way. Something comes your way and it is distinctly a miracle. It cannot be done by man. It cannot be interpreted by your ability. It cannot be interpreted by your potential. It cannot be interpreted by your education. It cannot be interpreted by your credentials. It cannot be interpreted by your books. It cannot be interpreted by your color. It cannot be interpreted by your family that you come from. And eventually, and especially those of you who were first in your father's household. I'm not talking about first born. I'm talking about first to connect to graces that the generations before in your family have never connected to. There are people here right now listening to me and you were the first one to get married in church. There are people here listening to me. You were the first person in your lineage to be born again. There are people here listening to me. You were the first minister in all your generations of family. There's somebody here listening to me. You were the first person to leave your nation. Since time immemorial, nothing connected to you left its community. Somebody shout hallelujah. There are people here. If you look back in your family lineage, you're probably the first degree holder. You're probably the first master's degree. Probably the first doctorate. You had never had anything before. And by right, whether those who are related with you appreciate it or not, you became that door. You know, some people are short-sighted to recognize the things that happen within their own households. It's easy to recognize things without their house, but it is hard for them to recognize the things and the glories that happen in their own household. And it's okay if it's among siblings, but it's a dangerous thing if a parent cannot identify the graces operating on their children, the distinctive mantles or anointing on some. Some will come first in one thing and others will come first in another. And every firstling, the Bible says, is of the Lord. You understand? Is of the Lord. Let me explain what that means. It speaks of the wisdom to erect an altar where things come first or came first. Are you following what I'm saying? Not just to celebrate, but to erect an altar. If you understand the mystery of altars, especially when it comes 
to the way of families and how God builds posterity within families. Some of you must understand that not only should you have your family altar as a household, but also when remarkable things happen within your household that are unique and have never happened before, don't just celebrate them and let them pass. Put a stone of remembrance right there and establish a covenant with God on behalf of all of them that should come. Then when a time comes and the demand for such a grace is needed, let that altar speak for you into the days when the next person must come in line to connect to what one person opened. Otherwise, you will have experiences where you have probably one or two people that are functioning in one grace and the rest of them are trying to struggle to get into the same grace. That is why as you continue to grow, you learn to celebrate everything that happens in your father's house, even if it is not happening to you. Never set yourself against any door God has opened when you're sure God has opened it. I've been around siblings, their sister gets married and she's jealous. Hey, do you see what God is doing? He has opened the door. Connect to it too. That is a blindness on Cain for killing Abel. Remember when Abel gave a sacrifice? The Bible says he gave a worthy sacrifice. You remember that portion of scripture? And when he gave a worthy sacrifice, the Lord, the Bible says, uses a word, had respect unto Abel and his offering. But the Bible says, but to Cain, he did not respect. And Cain was very wroth or angry. And then the Lord said to him, why are you angry? Why are you wroth in your heart? And he says, did you not know? Couldn't you realize this? That if you had done well, you too should have been acceptable. I wish Cain simply walked to Abel and asked for the wisdom of that door. Because this happened before he slew his brother. God told him, did you not know that if you had done well, you would have been acceptable? The next question would have been, how would I or how can I do well? The answer was to come from Abel. And God is such a humorous God. An amazingly, amazingly humorous God. That if he knows the answer is with Abel, he might not answer you. Because he's saying, I sent the answer in your house. Who has understood what I just said? If God has raised a man who knows, or a woman who knows how this goes, it is useless for you to say, I'm going to bypass this which God has done and seek my own. That is pride. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think there's something God taught me way early as I was growing. And I appreciate that I learned this. But when I see a man with a grace that I desire, I don't go to the prayer mountain for it because a man went for it already. I go to mountains for things I have not seen with men. But if a man has something and I know that I can get it, I don't waste my time going to a what? To a mountain. Why? Because there's a reason why God brought them to me. Common sense. Now it is within the wisdom of God to make sure that he should not teach Cain the way because Abel knows it. Abel knows it. Abel knows it. Even if it is your young sister, if she gets married before you, go one day, call her privately and kneel down and say, speak it over my life. I know there's somebody looking at me. And my young sister. How? Listen, you also have things you've gone fast in. And your sister should do the same. Your sister should do the same. That's how households grow. It's a dangerous thing to have a house where you have one rich man, one rich sister, one rich brother. That's wrong. That's not how a household should be. Trust me, you're as poor as the people you're related to. And you're as rich as the people you're related to. If you're rich and they're poor, you're poor. Because your household is not elevated. We don't become rich for ourselves. We're not blessed for ourselves. We don't succeed for ourselves. When God opens a door, think of the next person and open it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Open it. Open it. Open it. Open it. In Jesus' mighty name. Shout amen. Shout glory to God.
Now back to our story because I want to build something so beautiful in a very short while. So we see that there are people who came first. You came first. You became a dog. You see? You became a dog. And the principle of honoring the pioneer is a very important aspect. One time in school of ministry, I preached about the law of the primal genitor. Why certain people come first in life? From a family level, from a business perspective, from a national level, ministry, career, education, it's important. Let me tell you, it takes the wisdom of God to be able to connect some things and understand, but who was the first to do this? Not only my family. If I want to enter into, you know, one business X, who was the first to open that door? One time I was in India and I met a very wealthy man, very, very wealthy. And we were talking and he said to me that in my culture, even if you build a billion dollars with 500 companies, you never close the first business that opened you up to the world. It's a principle. They have it. They don't. They respect the first one. They can close anything else, but not that one. Because for them, it was not the first business. It was a door. It was a door. Perhaps for some, it was a window. There's a difference. For some, it was a window. For some, it was a door. Are you following what I'm saying? You go look out my sermon on windows and doors. You'll understand. For some, it was the grace for access, which are the windows. For some, it was the door, which is the power of opportunity. You never close the first. You never close the first. You never forget the person that introduced you to that place in God that you are actually, you know, flying through. Because some of you, it's one thing to be born again and not know God. Are you following me? You never forget the person who led you to Jesus. Never forget that. But also, never forget the people who brought the first graces of elevation on your life. Never forget the first things. Never forget the first things. So, some of you came first and many things opened up first on your life. And then you opened a what? A door for many to go in and many to what? To go out. Many of you who have opened certain doors or have been conduits of certain doors or windows understand what I'm talking about. Joseph opened something. Are you following me? Joseph opened something. And every time a king came, like I said, they were referred to the first door, which is what? Joseph. A king just needed to know who opened it. Let me tell you another mystery. You remember when Paul was consecrated by God to teach to the Gentile community? When God was commissioning Paul to teach or minister to the Gentile community, the uncircumcised. You remember? The scriptures tell us he's in Damascus. I think it's in Galatians. And while in Damascus, he's consecrated and taken into Arabia. And then God reveals to him the mystery of the message to the Gentile. And the Bible says, and firstly, when he comes back in Damascus and then goes to Jerusalem, the first person he met was Peter. Isn't it? And after meeting Peter, the Bible says he abides with him 15 days. And then he goes and meets Jesus' brother called who? James. These are the first people to lay hands on him to commission him for the work of the gospel to the Gentiles. That's why later in Galatians, he says, when Peter, James, and John, which seemed to be the pillars, saw the grace that was given unto me, to the what? To the uncircumcised, as it was to them, to the circumcised, that gave me, Paul and Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship that I should preach the gospel to the uncircumcised as they, to the circumcised. Remember, when he comes from Damascus, he looks for who? Peter. Why? Because Peter was the door to the Gentile church. Remember? When he's called into the house of Cornelius. You remember that Italian man? And then he says, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, every man that walks righteousness and feareth him, the Bible says, is accepted with him. And then the Spirit of God filled the house of Cornelius. And they were all baptized by the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, 
as of whether Paul knew that pattern or he did not. It is evident that after the consecration of Arabia, he needed to connect to the grace that opened the door. If you never learn that wisdom, there are certain places you will weep and go on mountains over and fast for and pray for and do whatever for, seed for and sacrifice for and melt affections for and you'll never connect to them. Why? Because to God, you are actually proud or you want it to come your way. You have put terms on how it should come, yet God has given you a fundamental law. Connect to the first. Connect to the man or woman that opened that door. Connect to them. There will always be an answer. There will always be a grace. When Samuel gets to a point chosen by God and he has to be raised to become the next man of God for the sake of Israel, God would see no better place to put him except under Eli. Eli, at that particular point, I think uh, within the process, lost his place with God and disconnected from the voice of God. Very clear. God never spoke to Eli again <laughs> and his sons. And especially because Eli did not know how to put his boys on a leash. Now, scriptures tell us that even when Eli could not hear God, God needed Eli to give direction to Samuel. And then God called him and said, Samuel. And the scriptures tell us, he went to Eli and said, did you call me? Three times, did you call me? Boy, go back to sleep. I did not call you. And one time I mentioned something years ago and I told people, there is a secret in understanding why even in the consecration of Samuel, God had to speak like Eli. He respected that man's priestly office, but even though he could not speak to him, he still needed the man's intonation. He needed his language and expression because that was the only way Samuel would respond to a call. God could not disrespect that door, even God. So Eli tells him, you know what? It's God calling you. It's such wisdom. But in the humility of God, he sometimes or in many times comes in the voice of your instructor. It's amazing. It's amazing. But it does it. So you said, no, I don't want that vision. I don't want that dream. You come straight. Bring 20 years. Bring Paul. Bring Moses. Bring Isaiah and Ezekiel. And I want Haggai to come on a horse and a, a white one with fire around it. And it should be a Wednesday night. Midnight. No minute past or less. And by the way, Peter better come with his wife. Because if it does not appear, you have not spoken. Oh, 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 oh. And matters, I'm making jokes about this. There are people who condition God that way. If it is you, on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. in my room, tell me whether he's the one or not. I promise you God won't appear. Let me tell you, some of you, you must understand how God works. You must understand how God works. In the New Testament, we don't fleece God because we're not led by fleeces. We're led by the Holy Spirit. And some of you, that's why you're in trouble. Because you say, God, if she's the one, let her put on purple. And then you turned and she was in purple. And then you say, God does what? Now you entered marriage. And then realized that the devil wears Prada. But God spoke. How? I told him if she's the one, let her put on purple. Listen, we don't identify our future partners by what they put on on a Wednesday. Stop playing with God. You either hear God or you don't. The New Testament is led by the Holy Spirit. Not fleeces. And you don't need a dream to know she's the one. You don't need an angel to appear to know that he's the one. When you know, you know. Ask anybody who is married. Ask anybody who is married. When you get to that point, you will know. If you're hesitating, she's not the one. If you have a few reservations, he's not. The day they're the one, you will be sure as you know your name. Wait for that day. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus.
So you got that job and then troubles came with it. You entered that marriage and then troubles came with it. You entered that ministry. God used me, consecrate me, separate me. You asked, God, I will go where you send me. And then one day you wake up and certain things start coming. Certain tests, trials, troubles start coming through. Israel was not held in bondage at that point because they had rebelled against God. They were held in bondage because they were not walking in wisdom. They were in bondage because they were increasing. Satan turned his eyes on them because they were prosperous. Satan turned his eyes on them because they were successful. Not everybody who is under attack has done something wrong. You know, we live in a generation when somebody falls, they say, eh, I tell you what did he do? Because they think everybody in trouble is without God. No. Otherwise, then I understand why when Jesus is on the cross, some people think that that's the end. Oh, but it was not the end. It was not the end. Let me tell you, when you are called by God, sanctified, when your conscience is clear, you might find yourself in hard places also. Even with the anointing that you have, you can find yourself in hard places also. Even with the wisdom operating on your life, certain things can slip and you find yourself in, and it's almost as though <laughs> God in some way lets it happen. If you recall that time when they're under bondage, God, I'll explain that. God prepared Moses. He prepared Moses. He had a plan somehow that he had prepared a man who will one day be used to deliver the children of Israel out of that bondage because that's just the way of God. That's just the way of what? Of God. He always creates a way. He always raises a person. He always puts somebody or something ahead right in your journey to save you out of trouble if he began that work with you. You see, do you remember when this wonderful king takes a prophet and tells him, cast Israel for me? The prophet says, how can I cast whom God has blessed? Because those things don't go simultaneously. If God has blessed you, he does not intend for a curse to come. Are you following what I'm saying? It is conflicting and contradictory in spiritual order for God to curse whom he has blessed. That's just not the way of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, behold, I have blessed and I cannot reverse it. Numbers 23 verses 20. I have blessed and I cannot reverse it. If God says I have blessed you, he has blessed you. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so if trouble comes, tests come, he will always put somebody or something ahead of you. He will create a circumstance or a situation for you to bounce back anyway. That is what it means when the scripture says that he that began a good work, you just needed him to begin. He that began, unless he didn't begin it, but he that began a good work, he shall see it to accomplishment to the day of Christ. And that is the anger that stirs in the heart of who? Samson. After killing everybody and thousands of Philistines, defeating the enemies of what? Of Israel. And all of them are defeated by the will and purposes of God. He sits down and the Bible says he's dying of thirst and hunger. And then he asks God, did you give me such great victory for me to die of thirst? This is Samson asking, did you give me such great victory for me to die of thirst? Somebody shout hallelujah. And God answered. And that's the way of God to tell you that I did not put you into that marriage to ashamed you. I didn't set you up to failure. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. I did not anoint you, pastor, for you to fail in your ministry. 
And that's what Samson is asking. Did you anoint me to kill all these guys? And then after all of that victory, I die of thirst. I fall under the hand of an uncircumcised man and I'm killed. This is a man questioning the way of God. And God showed him the proper way. He corrected it and said, no, you understand me now. I did not bring you this far to what? To leave you. Those are the things that encourage me. Ladies and gentlemen, I will finish well. But what about those ones who failed? Maybe they doubted God and knew not his ways. But this is what I know about you. You will finish well. The fact that he began on you and started giving you the word, the fact that he saved you, the fact that you have not died up to today, the fact that in all your madness, you also know your flaws. You know that you're a mixed fellow. You're disintegrated within, but somehow you still find yourself in the presence of God. There's just something that keeps pushing you there, telling you, I don't know what is in me, but I still feel in me that there is greater than what I see in the world. Yay! That's what the barren mother should remind God of and say, did you give me a husband not to bear a child? Am I carrying breasts not to be suckled? Am I carrying a womb not to carry life? That is the question you should ask God at your workplace. Was I appointed to die of debt? Was I appointed to die renting? Did I get a job so my children will fall? Oh, no, no, no. And it's okay to speak those words in your spirit. God didn't take you to school so you'd come here and fail. He did not give you that master's degree so you'd sit rotting in your mother's house. No! He didn't give you that gift that would waste away. He that began a good work, he shall see it to accomplishment to the day of Christ. He just needs to show you the call. What is the call? The provision to harness his dream in your life. Once you can see that provision, to harness. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the womb. The fact that you have a womb. The fact that you have a womb. If you were created without a womb, I would understand. But when you were born, there was a construct of a womb. It means you had to bring forth someday. Somebody shout hallelujah. Unless by choice you don't. Are you hearing me? The fact that you went to school, you had to use that English for something. Surely you didn't go to school just to waste time and rode on the streets of Kampala or wherever you are. No. Has not anointed to fall under the hand of an uncircumcised man. Has not anointed to fall under the hand of scandal. Has not anointed to fall under poisonous pens of gossip and slander. No, 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 no. He knew all of that was coming and he still anointed you anyway because he knows the plans that he has towards you. Plans to make you prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future, a hope, an unexpected end. Regardless of what you've gone through, you're still here. Tap somebody and tell them I'm still here. Kaokada. Come on somebody. I am still here. Touch another one and tell him I'm still here. I've gone through hell but I'm still here. I've been tried and tested but I'm still here. I carried disease one day but I'm still here. I'm not yet dead. Not now. I'm not ready to go. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. May God open your eyes to see those people that he has set before you to bring salvation to your destiny. May God open your eyes to show you the opportunities that have been arrayed in front of you to take you out of this trouble. May God open your eyes for you to connect to the seasons that are ahead of you to take you out of whatever things that it is hanging you right now. But this is what I know for sure that God has set somebody or something, or some way ahead of you to come out of this. You might not know how it comes. You might not know which way it will go. You might not know who brings it. It might even come from the least expected place. But this is what I know, that you will go through it. You will finish, thus saith the Lord. And you will finish well. You'll not just finish, I'm prophesying now. You'll not just finish, but you will finish well.
You finish well. Why do you think he anointed Moses with such power? He told him that you shall be a God to Pharaoh. And Aaron, nine prophet. Why did he raise Moses to the level of God, a God? Why? There are people who have a promise. The Bible says the Lord had their cry and he had their mornings. Let me tell you, even when you sleep in your bed and wake up and you're troubled a little, and God hears that little moaning, that little groaning. He says, we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched. What disturbs you, disturbs him. What troubles you, troubles him. And it's on the cry of Israel that it starts to raise Moses. That's why I said, there is always a destiny helper aligned in your way. You might not see them. You might not know them. But when the time comes, and that is why you must understand the principle or the spirit of readiness. Because your master will appear when you're ready to be a student. Your destiny helper will appear when you're ready to enter that next phase. Some of you, what's disturbing you is not the answer. Some of you, what's disturbing you, you have not applied yourself to the readiness of the preparation of the spirit to enter. That is why your masters cannot be seen. Your deliverers are far. Your saviors cannot be designed. Your help is around, but you cannot see it. Why? Because your spirit is not ready. The man of wisdom then learns to say, God, I know that you have a plan to take me out of this. Make me ready. Prepare me. Plant every seed, raw or otherwise, to make sure that you align me to all the laws necessary that when my teacher appears, I shall know them. When my deliverer appears, I shall know them. When my salvation appears, they shall connect to me. When those God has ordained to take me out to meet me, they will know that I'm the one. They will not bypass me because I missed my timing in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is what I speak upon you, that you will never miss your time. As God reconciles you to the things that should advance your destiny. Somebody say, I connect to it in Jesus' mighty name. Say, I connect to it in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. I told people, one day my dad, told me, start looking for a job. I just graduated. And then I was in my room meditating on God. And I had the Spirit of God tell me, get out of this bed and slop down. There was a company there. There was a guy who used to sell newspapers and buy a newspaper and you'll get an answer. In my head, the instruction was go buy a newspaper. So I wake up, I'm sloping to go buy a what? A newspaper. And just about 50 meters away from the newspaper vendor, a lady packs, puts down her window and said, I know you. I know you. I know you. How are you? How is your family? What are you doing with yourself? Oh, I just graduated. You have a job. And I said, no. She told me, come and see me tomorrow. I didn't go to the newspaper. Sometimes the instructions might come with ambiguity. Abraham, leave your father's family, your kin and kith, and go to a place I will show you. Which one? Just go, I will show you. You just go, I will show you. Sometimes the instruction can be, oh, Saul was looking, oh, 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 Saul was looking for somebody's animals. But while he's looking for lost animals, God has shifted every tectonic plate to agree with the man who should change his destiny. And he knew it not that his life was going to change. When David woke up, the instruction from the father through Jesse was take food to your brothers. He did not know that that was the point he was going to connect to the writing of the history like we know it. Some instructions might not come as straight as you shall meet this, but the instructions that can come and change your life forever. 
forever. Forever. One time we were looking for an office. We had outgrown one office and then we were looking for an office to rent and then we go to this place and then was, you know, hefty fees and the amounts were really ridiculous and then we went to another place and then we saw a good place and then we said, okay, let's settle with this one, let's let the other one go. And I remember it was a Thursday and I was going to base and the Spirit of the Lord told me, stop, call Chris, our COO. He was going to make payments for this other place. And I tell Chris, don't pay that money. And he tells me why. And I said, the Lord tells me, let's go back to the other place. So he said, when? I told him, just wake up tomorrow morning and go there. Chris Cherere woke up that morning by instruction and went to that place of the office. And the moment he parks from that office, a woman comes and says, what are you doing here? He says, we want to rent this. And by God's grace, the woman was related to the owner of the house. We were then dealing with his lawyer. And then she connected us to that family. When we connected to that family directly, this family, we tell them, oh, we're a ministry, we want to rent this place. And the husband and wife of this house said, you tell us what you want to give and whatever you want to give, whatever you want to give, whatever you want to give is what we shall take. Whether it's $100, that's what you'll pay. Whether it's $50, that's what you'll pay. Whether it's $1,000, that's what you'll pay. Whether it's $2,000, it's up to you. Whatever the Lord has told you. I told Chris an amount and they accepted it and gave us a what? A contract. And in one year, that same family came back to us. And they said, we have been praying. And the Lord has spoken to us that this is your place. And long and short, long and short, that is how we got our office property. That is not rented. It's ours. You understand what I'm saying? Let me try to explain what I'm saying. That if this man of God had not just stood where he was supposed to stand, perhaps history would be different. Some of it's those little small instructions. But once you are positioned with God, every instruction can come with your next space of destiny. That is why when I say I am praying that you don't miss any opportunity your way. For some, it might have just come as a thought to take you to your next level and you missed it because it crossed in your mind as a thought. You didn't go into pressing and say, God, why am I thinking the thoughts that I'm thinking? Why am I meditating the things I'm meditating? That's exactly how life works. That one day God can give you an instruction that can change your life. When I said I have prayed for you, that's exactly what I prayed for you. That let an instruction come like it did at one point. And that's the reason why we stopped going place to place renting offices and asking people to give us a favor. Are you following what I'm saying? And God can do it in your life. And this is what I feel by God. That somebody at the sound of my voice. Within a few weeks, a few days, a few months, something is going to come and a man will meet you and he will be looking for exactly you to work with. There is somebody in this world who is roaming and is seeking for an answer for his project and he will meet you and you'll be the only missing piece to that puzzle and the picture will become full. May they locate you in Jesus' name. 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 And then Israel gets into bondage. And God raises Moses. And then we all know the story of how Moses goes to him, Pharaoh, and tells him, God says, let my people go that they might serve me. Now the scriptures tell us, Pharaoh refused to let the children of God go. And God had to send 10 plagues from frogs to gnats, flies, to bloody waters, 
to wild animals. God sent things to boils on their body. To God sent 10 of them and they could still not respond. They refused. I mean, the spirit at work in Pharaoh refused. To the point where he had to kill all their firstborns. And as this is happening, God is preserving the camp of the Jews to show Pharaoh that my issue is with you and the Egyptian, not them. And even with 10 plagues, Pharaoh still does not feel that he should let the children of God go. There is something rebellious in his spirit. And you know, when you read Exodus chapter 9, verses 12, the Bible says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he hearkened not unto him as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. Now, but what they are hardening, like I said, there's a problem in the Hebrew concerning causative and permissive. That the Hebrew usually uses causative verbs for permissive verbs. This would actually should or have should have read like, and the Lord let Pharaoh harden his heart. So it's not that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, but God let Pharaoh harden his heart. It's almost as though God let those who are frustrating you to continue frustrating you. God let that person who was giving you a headache to continue giving you a headache. God let that person who was, you know, confusing you to continue confusing you god let that person who was robbing you to continue robbing you and as though that's not a popular statement to make ladies and gentlemen it has happened before 10 times god is sending plagues and he still lets pharaoh i mean do you know there's a parallel universe or narrative where god would have just paused this man's life and killed him but he didn't kill pharaoh some of you want some people dead and god didn't want them dead he has another mind for them and that's what I want to reveal to you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh God, why don't they die? How long will the wicked prosper? Oh, I saw David also crying. Some die, some die, some die, some fail. But there are those ones that might stick like a stone in a shoe and they can't come out. They can't get off your head. 10 years they're still on you. 20 years they're on Facebook. 50 years they're still on you. And God says, no, let me not take them out. And they might think they are right because they are not dying yet. But yet they are not right. But there's also a mind of God in letting them stay. And this is the mind. This is the mind. This is the mind. Exodus 11 verses 9. 1, 2, 3, let us read. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken to you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. I'm going to give you only five seconds to celebrate that. is what he was saying. The reason why he did not leave you was I wanted to multiply my wonders in you. The reason why they could not let you go was because I wanted to continue lifting you up. The reason why they could not let you go was because I wanted to exalt you. The reason why they could not let you go was because I was not satisfied by the glory you had at that particular point. I want you to be exposed further that when I come out of fights, Jesus would have been killed in a room but God would not let it because he wanted the whole world to be there when he was being crucified. Come on now, this man was purchasing eternal salvation. Some of you because of the virtue or by virtue of the wonders that he plans to do in your life, he might not allow your shame to be in darkness. He might put it before light. He might crucify you. He might put you on the cross. He might let it be. It's not that the devil has won. It only means like he openly let that shame. So will he openly put that wonder on your tabernacle. That is how God works. On the same social media, a day is going to come when it's singing only your song. On the same newspaper, a day will come when it cannot ignore you. On that same radio where you are persecuted, a day will come when they're only singing your name. Oh, 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 oh. slap somebody and tell them they are talking about me. Hey, Pharaoh will not hearken because I must multiply your wonder. Pharaoh will not hearken because I need to use your marriage. 
has a testimony. And that is why in the scriptures, the Bible speaks of the last plague. God comes to Moses and tells him, there's one more plague I'm going to send. This time he will let you go. Because I think we have built enough testimony here. And that time always comes. Unfortunately, that kind of deliverance, the last deliverance, usually doesn't come the way you expect it. That is why you must study the mind of God. But even after that plague, when eventually Pharaoh had to soften and say, okay, go. He had to let them go. You remember where he began from? Go, but don't go far. And then the plague hits. Why does that person in scripture know me? Because that's what's in the devil. His problem sometimes is not to let you go. His problem is for you to go far. You must stay in the confines of his control. You must be in the confines of his vision. You must be in the confines of his operation. His problem is if you can cross beyond where he cannot touch you anymore. Now listen carefully. That last plague, he had to let them go. But even when he let them go, something still told him, pursue them. And as God can be, he said this time, Let me do something that, let me tell you, some of you, the things and the people that are disturbing you, the day God is done with them, they will become a reminder for the rest of human history. In every story of yours, they shall be mentioned. No, I'm telling you. Now I'm going to tell you of a story that happened. One day I'm in this university preaching and then this professor comes and says, that for Apostle Grace to step in this university, I would rather die. Yes. After saying it, he died. Now that has gone down in my history. He shall be remembered that he died. Did I want him dead? No. But he said that I cannot step in a university. He would rather die. He died. I mean, I'm still going to that university. So avoid being part of the stories men shall talk about. Anyway, back to the story. That is why he has to open the seas and part the waters. Because much as he might let Pharaoh be for some time, he might harden his heart for some time, but a time comes where God has to close it. And when he closes it, it will leave a memory. It will leave a mark to teach the rest of the generations that this is how God functions. So, whatever you're going through, open your eyes to what God is multiplying. Please, close your eyes from what's not working. Open your eyes to what is working. And sit in your room and meditate. It's multiplication. Because that is exactly what God is was and shall be. Jesus Christ the same today, yesterday and forever. Whatever you have gone through, God is going to build a memory out of it for generations to come to reveal his salvation, to reveal his salvation, to reveal his salvation, to reveal his salvation. There are things that you might go through and say, but what did I do? What? You didn't do anything. And it's insisting for a purpose. Don't worry. A time is going to come. So that's why for me, in every test, I see multiplication. That's how I live my life. Now you're going to open your mouth this evening and receive this word. Receive this word. I'm going to give you five minutes to pour your heart toward God and make your affirmations to him and tell him, God, I don't doubt what you're doing. I'm confident of this, that this is going to turn to my good and it's going to multiply your glory upon my life. It will not bring shame. It will not hold me back. It will not frustrate me. It's going to add to me.
and it's going to leave an ever fixed mark and an altar in my family that this that I've seen like he told them the Egyptians you see now you shall see no more there are things God can let happen because he wants to bury them forever that your children will never see them that the children's children will never see them that they'll never come back again but for him to bury them he has to let them be as he multiplies the glory on your life to subdue them totally just raise your voice and receive this word You have done me well. You have done me well. You have done me well, Jesus. You have done me well. You have done me well. You have done me. You have done me well. You have done me well. You have done me well. Come on. Open your mouth and pray. You have done me well. You have done me well. You have done.
This is the word of the Lord. It is well with you. Whatever is delayed multiplies glory. Whatever is delayed multiplies power. Whatever is delayed multiplies wonders. Whatever is delayed multiplies success. And I decree and I declare in the name of Jesus that soon, saith the Lord, you are about to see my salvation. A few days, a few days, a few days, a few days you're going to be here testifying of God's goodness give him a mighty help of praise come on come on come on come on thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord, thank you, Lord. hallelujah now if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ repeat these words after me Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Change me, heal me, deliver me, transform me, use me. In Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.